Welcome to the Bradenville Church of Christ podcast. We are a family of believers striving to be the first century church in the 21st century. We're located at 285 Church Street in Bradenville, Missouri. Please join us for Bible study Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. with worship to follow at 11 a.m. Wednesday night Bible study is at 7 p.m. Now, please enjoy our lesson. We're going to continue our discussion today about uh, evangelism, personal evangelism. And we're going to talk continue to talk about the desire to share the gospel with others. I hope over the last couple of weeks you begin to understand why it's important to you individually to share the gospel with others. There's a lot of different reasons why we might share the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody else. We're going to talk about some of those reasons today. But when it really comes down to it, you have to have your why. You have to know why it's important to you. Because I can tell you what my why is. I can tell you why it's important to me. But that may not be something that motivates you. You remember we talked about last week the fact that people are motivated primarily by pleasure or by pain. And some people are motivated to share the gospel. Uh, you know, it may be kind of hard to believe. And there may be people in here that are this way. There are some people that are motivated to share the gospel by pain. By the pain of, of the life that they've experienced. By the pain of the sin that they experience, they've experienced in their lives. And they want to help other people to not experience that. Or to, to help them come out of sin, right? And some of us are motivated by the pleasure that, that comes from remembering that obedience to the gospel. And we talked about our conversion story last week. The importance of, uh, the importance of conversion stories in the conversion of other people. Paul uh, we read his conversion story in Acts chapter 9, but we hear him tell his conversion story two more times in the Scriptures. If that's the case, then that must be an important part of sharing the gospel with somebody else. And I can, I can tell your story, but I can't tell it from your level of passion. And so that's why it's important for us, to, to first of all, to be convinced of it. I don't want anybody here leaving today not convinced that you are saved or that you need to be saved. And if you need to be saved, let's take care of it today. But if you are saved, know what your story is and be able to tell it to other people. Have you ever thought about some unusual places where we can draw examples of evangelistic desire? There's some unusual places, places where we may not think that evangelistic desire resides that we can find. And one of them is in the Scriptures. The passage that Colton read for us this morning, Luke chapter 16, if you want to open your Bibles up to Luke 16, we're going, to, we're going to be almost exclusively in Luke 16 this morning. I'm going to reference a few other passages, and I can turn over there and read them to you. You don't even have to turn your Bible if you don't want to. But I want us to think about, particularly, the evangelistic fervor that exists in, essentially, in, in hell, in torment. You ever thought about that? Now, the, the, the story we're going to read about here is Jesus, he's going to give us a picture of Hades, right? Hades is the world, the realm of the dead. And as we read through this, we're going to see that that realm, the place where the soul goes when it departs from the body, is, is going to be divided into two portions. We'll see that in just a second. But in that, in that Hadean world, there is a, an evangelistic fervor that should exist in the church that should be in you and I. And that's the question we want to wrestle with today. Are we as excited about sharing the good news of the gospel with, with the lost as the people in Hades are? So let's, let's begin here with the story, and then we will we'll kind of look at some of these, some of these uh, 
realities, you might say, of um, evangelistic motivation. And, and Colton read this for us. There was a certain, this is verse uh, 19 of, of Luke 16. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in, fine, in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. We're going to come back to that in just a little bit, but just kind of put a place marker there. We've got two men in different states of life, right? They're in different, what we might call groups or classes of people. They, they're living different lifestyles. But they have a, they have a proximity to each other, right? They, they live close to each other. Um, so it was that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and being in torments in Hades, he lifted his eyes, or if you're reading from the King James, it might say hell there. That's a translation of the Greek word Hades, the realm of the dead. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now the first thing we, we see here in Hades is that there are two realms. There's a place that Jesus refers to as Abraham's bosom. There's also a place of torment. Now, those two places are, and it's kind of hard for us to picture this because it's in a spiritual realm, right? But they, they have proximity to each other. Again, remember proximity in life, proximity in death. But there's a separation. Now listen to what, what happens here. Verse 23, And being in torments in Hades, he, that's the rich man, lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in, cool, in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. We learned something else about torment. There's a flame there. Now, the scriptures tell us, Jesus tells us that this, this place of torment is a place that, that there is fire. Now, this is not, let's, let's be very clear, this is not the eternal destination of the devil and his angels. We can go over to Matthew chapter 25, we can go to Revelation chapter 20, and we can read about the eternal hell that's been prepared for the devil and his angels, and that is a lake which burns with fire. But you see in torment, in Hades here, there's a similar condition. This rich man wakes up, his consciousness, he come, becomes conscious in a place where there is flame and there's torment. And he sees a place of comfort. We'll see that in just a second. Look at verse 25. Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you receive your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that no, those who want to pass from here to you cannot nor can those from there pass to us. Now notice, we've got this place of torment, we've got this place of comfort, Abraham says, and there's a great gulf or a great chasm fixed between the two. And even if we wanted to pass back and forth, Abraham says, we can't. There's a, there's a fixture there. So we kind of set the scene. We've got the, this, this Hadean realm, the realm of the spirit, the realm of the soul, excuse me, after death. We've got one side of the gulf, You've got comfort, the other side you've got torment. Now we're going to deal with the torment side for just a little bit. I want you to notice here some characteristics of this rich man that should be in you and I when it comes to sharing the gospel with each other. And the first thing we notice is the reality of the eternal torment. There is a growing population in the world and, and even in America that don't believe in the reality of heaven and hell. 
They don't believe in the, 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 the spiritual reality of a life after death. And yet Jesus here in this parable, or excuse me, in this story, I don't believe this is a parable because it, it doesn't lie along, alongside greater spiritual truth. Jesus here is speaking about people. And he says that there is a place where people will be in torment. How, how does that relate then to our evangelistic desire? Do we really believe that people are going to go to hell? Do we really believe that there is a place that people are going to go that are not obedient to God. Sometimes I think we, we give um, lip service to it. Or we may think about it from a, from a philosophical standpoint, right? But we can philosophize about things that aren't real. We can make up stuff in our heads, our own reality. But whenever we read in the Scriptures about a place that has been prepared for the devil and his angels, but it is also a place where mankind will go that's disobedient, do we really believe that? Let's go over to Matthew chapter, or you don't have to go over there. I'll go over there and read it for you because I told you you didn't have to turn away from Luke chapter 16. But I want to read this to you again, Jesus' words here. Uh, this, is the, this is the story of the sheep and the goats. You remember that Jesus tells this story in Matthew chapter 25 about the Son of Man coming in His glory. He's going to come with His holy angels. He's going to take the world, all of mankind. He's going to divide them like a shepherd divides his sheep from his goats. And He's going to put the sheep on His right hand. He's going to put the goats on His left hand. And He's going to say certain things to the sheep and He's going to say certain things to the goats. Now, the blessings that He bestows upon the sheep are because they were obedient. They were righteous in their actions and in their taking care of the sick and in feeding the hungry, clothing the naked. But then he turns to the, to the goats and he says, all that stuff that you should have done, you didn't do. Stick a pin in that. We'll come back to that in just a second. All those things you should have done, you didn't do. And because you didn't do that, he says, Verse 41, then he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now we can't overlook the fact that hell, everlasting fire, was not prepared for mankind. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But there will be people who will depart into that realm for eternity. Do we really believe that? Do you know the rich man really believed that? He woke up in reality and he understood that was the case. So the first thing we need to recognize within ourselves is we're thinking about sharing the gospel with people. Are we, are we really convinced that there are people who are going to go to an eternal punishment in a lake of fire that will burn for eternity? That's, that should be a motivation for us, right? We don't want to go there and we don't want anybody else to go there. And so we, that, that then drives us to share the gospel with others. Let's keep on reading here in Luke chapter 16. You go down to verse 30. And, uh, oh, excuse me, verse 28. And the rich man says, For I have five brothers, and he wants Lazarus to be sent to them and testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Second thing we need to realize about the reality of, of eternal torment is those who are in torment do not want anyone to come there. I told you this story before about the lady I was visiting with one time and she said she had had a conversation with a member of the church and, and, and had a disagreement with them and asked the question, 
is my mom going to hell? And they, in, in the most polite way that they could say, answered the question. They said, if your mom hasn't obeyed the gospel, she, when she died, she's not going to heaven. And that woman said, well, if my, mom's not going, if my mom's not going to heaven, I'm not going either. And this, is, this was like 60 years ago that this happened, that she had this conversation. And she's telling me about this. So she's lived her life for 60 years with the, with the thought that she doesn't want to go. If her mom's in hell, she's not going to heaven either. And I said, do you know, I'm not saying your mom's in hell or not. That's not my place to say. But if your mom were in hell, she doesn't want you to come there. And she said, how will you know that? And I said, because I can show you a story where Jesus tells us that people in torment don't want anyone else to come to torment. There's a reality to it that we have to internalize and allow that to then to motivate us. Look at verse 24 and 25. We've already read this, but I want to draw out something else here. The rich man wakes up in torment and he cries out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. You know, in torment, there is a great realization of the gift of mercy. There's a great desire for mercy. And that's something that we need to realize within ourselves. The great desire, the great gift that mercy is to mankind. You know, when we partook of the Lord's Supper, that's a reminder to us of the mercy of God. God's righteousness, His justice, drives Him, it, it, it compels Him to punish wickedness. And yet at the same time, His great love and His mercy is extended to mankind through Jesus Christ so that we don't have to bear that punishment. This rich man wakes up in torment and he immediately realizes that he's in need of mercy. Now let's just pause for a second and let's go back in time. You remember we talked about these two men that they lived in proximity to each other prior to their deaths. The rich man, he fared sumptuously, he, he, lived in fine, he dressed in fine clothes, he, he lived a, a good lifestyle. Lazarus was a beggar, he had sores, the dogs would come and lick his sores. Just picture that in your mind for just a little bit, how wretched that, a life that would be. And the reason we know they lived close to each other, or they lived in, with a knowledge, at least Lazarus lived with a knowledge of the rich man, is because Jesus says that Lazarus desired to eat the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. What does that tell you? He knew there were crumbs falling from the rich man's table. He knew where the rich man lived. He knew something about his lifestyle. Now, I have, I've been told this, uh, and that whenever people would, whenever a, a, a person uh, who had money, whenever he would, uh, whenever his servants would, would make the bread for their meals, that they would bake an extra loaf. And that was the loaf that they would use to wash their hands, to wipe their hands with once they got done eating because they ate with their fingers, right? They ate with their right hand, right hand, and they would eat, and they would get grease on their fingers, and they didn't use towels to wipe their hands. They actually used bread. Could you imagine? That's most likely the bread that fell from the table. The rich man wouldn't even offer that to Lazarus. He didn't understand mercy at the time whenever it was necessary to understand mercy. He didn't grant mercy. He didn't show mercy to Lazarus. 
And yet now in torment, he realizes the great gift of mercy. That's what we see that we need to realize as well. God has been so merciful to us. He's been so gracious to us in sending His Son Jesus to die on the cross. Are we willing to share that message with others? Verse 27. Then He said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send Him to my Father's house. This is Lazarus. This is the rich man talking, and he's talking about Lazarus. That you would send Him to my Father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. The third thing we see that goes on in torment is there's a great understanding of the eternal importance of evangelism. This rich man, he wants Lazarus to go back and preach to his brothers. Do we have that same desire? Do we have that same drive within us to share the gospel with people? That we want, whether it's us or we want to encourage somebody else, we have people specifically in mind that we know need to hear the gospel. This man had five brothers, and he didn't want a single one of them to come to where he was. He understood the importance of evangelism and the fact that the good news of, of salvation needed to be testified. The great news of mercy needed to be testified to these brothers. What if we had the same realization? What if we had the same motivation? What if we had the same zeal that a person in torment had and has even today to share the gospel with others? These characteristics exist in torment, but are, are they in you and I? An understanding of the reality of hell, the understanding of the importance of mercy, the great gift of mercy, and the, the urgent need to share the gospel with others. Now there's some things here, some other things that we can learn from the rich man that I think are important for us to, to, to take to heart and to, to put into practice on a daily basis because we're talking about real life situations here. We're talking about things that matter in the eternal purpose of, of God. Let's go back to verse 19 again. We talked about proximity and how these two men lived close to each other, that we knew that Lazarus knew about the rich man, that he was, he, he was aware that crumbs fell from his table. How, how aware are we of the spiritual condition of people around us? How in tune are we, in tuned are we to what people are experiencing? Now, Spiritual sores are not always as open and visible to the, to, to the naked eye as physical sores are. If you were to walk up to Lazarus, you could probably tell pretty quickly that he was a beggar by the, by the clothes he was wearing, by the sores that, that were on him, probably by the company that he kept, particularly the dogs that were hanging around him. And so when you go through life, it's pretty easy to see a physical beggar. What about a spiritual beggar? What about a spiritual, spiritually destitute person? Can, can we begin to recognize the spiritual sores that people bear, the, the spiritual company that people keep, particularly the dogs that circle people who are living this type of lifestyle? Are we aware of the spiritual condition of people that are around us? 
The rich man had Lazarus living at his gate. He had Lazarus living in an area where he could have, should have, probably is going to be responsible. I mean, the story shows that he was responsible for knowing that Lazarus was there. And yet he didn't take advantage of that. He didn't, he didn't use his opportunity. And sometimes we go through blinders. We go through life with blinders on us too. I want to encourage us today to begin opening our eyes to the spiritual need of people around us. We'll talk about the reason why in just a minute. But just to open, to, to open up our eyes to the needs of people in our home sometimes, in our school, in our workplace, in our community, at the grocery store. There's a great need in, the, in, in, in people's lives for Jesus. And we have an opportunity to share that with Him. We can't go through life with blinders on to the sores of the spiritual lost. Um, verse 21, Lazarus was desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. We sang the song, Count Your Many Blessings. Name them one by one. That's a beautiful song. How, when's the last time you did that? When's the last time you actually sat down, even with a piece of paper, or maybe even as you're driving, just in your mind, and counted all the blessings that God's given to you? This man had... It's, it's probably safe to say this man didn't give the crumbs that fell from his table a second thought. He didn't give them a second thought. He didn't even think anything about them. And the fact that they could have been a blessing to Lazarus. Lazarus desired to have them. How many spiritual blessings do we have in our lives that we just, I'll be blunt, that we waste? Spiritual opportunities that we waste. And we could focus in on the material aspect of this. We could focus in on the material, the material needs of people. But I want to think about the spiritual blessings that we have, the spiritual crumbs that fall from our table that we don't even offer to the spiritually lost. What could those be? How about a kind word? How about a, how about a, a, forgiving, a forgiving word or a forgiving thought? How about... Um, how about a word of encouragement, a phone call, or a card, or a, something to help uplift somebody that's, that's struggling spiritually? How about, and I listed some, some crumbs on here, how about a, a loving rebuke sometimes? When we, when we think about the word rebuke, sometimes we think about it like this, right? A wagon finger. You need to blah, 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 blah. That's, that's not a loving rebuke, right? Jesus tells us that when we've got a, a particularly when we've got a brother or sister in Christ that, have, that, that has gone into sin, that we're to go to them and talk to them about it. How often do we do that? You know why? Because we don't want to make ourselves uncomfortable. We, we, we use the excuse, well, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. But what does it really boil down to? I don't want to make myself uncomfortable, right? But there's a way that we can rebuke. There's a way that we can correct people in love. You know what? I'm concerned about you, I'm, and I love you, and that's why I'm coming to talk with you. We have a, a, we have a, a, a responsibility to people to help draw them to Christ, to help encourage, encourage them. What about self-sacrifice? What about just giving up ourselves, giving up our time, giving up our resources? Giving up energy 
to help other people. We sometimes, I would say on a regular basis, I underestimate the crumbs that fall from my table that would be a blessing to the spiritually lost. We can't lose sight of that. Verse 24. The rich man calls out to Father Abraham. He says, Have mercy on me and let Lazarus and send Lazarus that may he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Does anything sound a little <clears throat> excuse me, does anything sound a little out of place there for you? What's the rich man used to doing? He's used to telling people what to do, right? He's used to people serving him. And so now he's, he's making a petition to Abraham, but he's essentially telling Abraham, hey, tell Lazarus to go dip his finger in water and come over and cool my tongue because I'm in torment. Think about the gall that that takes <laughs> to be in torment and to be commanding somebody who's in comfort to come and to take care of you when you had no interest in that person in this life. He had no interest in serving Lazarus in this life, and yet he wants Lazarus to serve him in torment. We didn't come to be served. We didn't become Christians to be served. We came to serve others. And that needs to be that needs to be so ingrained into us that it just is it's second nature for us to serve other people. 1 John chapter 1 John chapter 3 If you if you haven't tied this to John 3:16 I would encourage you to make this note in your Bible because these are sister passages to each other John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he did what He gave his only begotten son What is that but service That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life God the creator of the universe came down in the flesh and served you at the cross. Now here's the sister passage, 1 John 3.16. By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. That's John 3.16 in a nutshell, right? And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now when we read this, we primarily think about who? When we think about brethren, we think about brothers and sisters in Christ. But you know, we're called to serve all mankind. We're to do good to all, especially those of the household of faith, but we're to do good to all and not grow weary in doing good, Galatians chapter 6 tells us. Brethren, he says, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God Abide in Him. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. This rich man wanted Lazarus to serve him. We need to be people who serve others. And that's going to be in, that's going to be in the physical, but it also needs to be in the spiritual. We need to develop within ourselves a mindset of service when it comes to the lost and their needs, uh, particularly to obey the gospel. Back in Luke chapter 16, verse 25, Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. We need to remember that each one of us is going to be rewarded for what we've done in this life. 
the rich man, it, and let's be very clear here, it wasn't the sin that he was rich. It was the sin of what he did with God, what God had blessed him with. He said, Abraham said, you were rewarded. You, you took your reward in, this, in, 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 in that life, and now you're being tormented. Lazarus was, was, was suffering in his life, and now he's being rewarded in the eternal life. And we have to remember that what we do in this life has consequences. And it has consequences not just in this life, but it has consequences in the next one. Here's a passage I want you just to think about in relation to sharing the gospel with others. Developing a, a religious or a, an evangelistic zeal. Um, I'll just tell you, this is a verse, this is a verse that <laughs> scares me, frankly. James chapter 4, verse 17. James 4, 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. If we know that God wants us to share the gospel with others and we consciously make the decision not to, what is that but sin? Now, it's, it's tough to say that, right? Because it, it, it's, it's condemning, right? It, it's, that's, a, that's a very hard thing for us to say. But sometimes truth's hard to say, but it doesn't make it any less truthful. We have a responsibility to share the gospel with those. And if we know it's the right thing to do, then we need to do it. Because there will be, there will be consequences to that. The rich man had consequences for his actions. Lazarus had consequences for his actions. And Abraham points it out that when the end of life comes, that we're going to bear out the, the reward, either positive reward or a negative reward, for what we have done in this life. And so we have a responsibility to do that. The last point here. This is an interesting part of the story for me. Because... Um, Abraham makes an important observation about the truth of God's Word. The rich man wants Lazarus to go back and he wants him to testify. What do most, what, what do most people in the religious world want to see? A miracle, a revelation, a, 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 special, a, a special word from, from God. They want the Holy Spirit to speak to them, right? Listen to what Abraham says about the importance of the testimony of God's Word. The rich man says, I want you to send Lazarus back. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they should also come to this place. Listen to what Abraham says in verse 29. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means that God gave Israel all they needed to know in order to be saved through Moses and the prophets. And that's all they needed. That testimony, that witness was sufficient for them to be saved. What did they have to do though? Jesus would always say this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, right? Rich man says, no, 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 no. Verse 30, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. If they were to see a ghost, if they were to receive a special revelation, 
If they were to receive something directly from God to them, they, they would repent. And listen to what Abraham says. This is, this is almost ironic in what he says. Verse 31, he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. If they won't hear Moses and the prophets, they're not going to respond to a special revelation. They're not going to respond to a message from the dead, from the grave. They're not going to respond to a ghost. Now people would argue that, oh yeah, they will, yeah. Many religions are started because of special revelation. But the point of the matter is, God has given us all that we need for life and for godliness. When, when Jude wrote in Jude chapter 1 that the faith once delivered, once for all delivered to the saints was, had, been, had been handed down, that was, that was enough. And Abraham points that out. Now what's, what's ironic about this he says, if they won't hear Moses and the prophets, they won't believe even if someone, what? Rises from the dead. You know what's ironic about that? Who's, who's, who's saying these words? What color are those, is that text on there? That's red letters, right? This is Jesus saying this. What's Jesus going to do in just a couple months? He's going to die. He's going to be buried, and he's going to raise. He's going to be raised from the dead, and he's going to commission his apostles to go and preach that good news to the world. Now, I'm not saying here that Abraham is speaking contrary to Jesus, but the point of the matter is that we have a testimony from somebody who has been raised from the dead. Do we need any anything else? And the reason I bring this up is this. Sometimes we think we've got to recreate the gospel. We've got to make it into something bigger than what it is. And if you think back about, about this habit of, of personal evangelism that we're working on, we talked about habit is the convergence of knowledge and of skill and of desire. Do you remember what the knowledge portion consisted of as we studied about the knowledge of sharing the gospel? We didn't come up with anything new. We didn't encourage anything innovative. We simply just went back to the, God, to the Bible and said, this is what we need to share with others. That's the, that's the simplicity of evangelism. Sharing this simpli the simple story of the gospel with others. We don't have to contrive it. We don't have to make it up. We don't have to have special revelation. We have the Word of God once for all delivered to the saints. Hell is a place where there will be great evangelistic fervor. There is right now in, in Torment of Hades uh, an evangelistic fervor for people in this world. The problem is we're living in this life right now. Do we have that same desire? Do we really, do we really believe with all our heart that there is a hell? That there is a, there, there is a destination for people who are not obedient to God? Do we really do we really appreciate God's mercy? Do we, do we, I don't know that we can even fully comprehend it, but can we appreciate it to the point that we want to share it with others? Do we have a, a, the same fire in our belly to share the gospel with others that this rich man had in torment? Can we remember that we're here to, to, to serve and not to be served? Can we, can we find 
time to share the crumbs that God blesses with with others. Those are, those are some lessons that we can learn from Hades. I told you there's some unusual places in which you can find evangelistic fervor, and this is one of them. We're going to have a couple more lessons to kind of help us to drill down into this and understand what, what our motivation is. But I want to encourage you to think about this. Why? Why would you obey the gospel if you haven't? If you haven't obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, let me, let me give you some encouragement here with this. While you are still in your sin, Jesus died on the cross for you. Can you think about any type of demonstration of love that's greater than that? While we were enemies with God, He sent His Son to die on the cross. If you haven't obeyed the gospel, I want to encourage you to do that today. I want to encourage you, if you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you're willing to confess your faith in Him, you're willing to turn away from your sin, and you're willing to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, we want to help you with that today. If you are a Christian, why would you share the gospel with others? We've talked about a few reasons why, right? The reality of hell. Do we, do we really want anybody to, to go there? No. But you have to develop within yourself that why. You have to come up with that why for yourself. You have to, to look at all the, the reasons and say, you know what, this is why I'm going to say these words today. This is why I'm going to go knock on this door today. Or this is why I'm going to make this phone call today. This is why it's important for me to invite this person to my home. Invite them over for a meal. Get to know them. Eventually we can say, you know what, how would you like to have a Bible study together? Whatever that reason is, that's got to be your reason, but you got to own it. And we got to do it. I'll just finish with this passage. Again, this, if we know to do good and we don't do it, James tells us that's sin. We're going to sing an invitation song. And if you have a need, if you have, a, if you have something that we can help you with, please don't let this time pass by. Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. For more information about our church family, please visit our Bradleyville Church of Christ Facebook page. We hope to see you soon. Till then, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We hope you have a good day.